friends, welcome to Scott Kaplan Solo Podcast, Episode 2. So I, it was kind of cool, last week I, I heard from a lot of people that I haven't heard from in quite a while that listen to the podcast because they saw it on Twitter, and that's cool. Um, by the way, you guys realize that like I've had thousands of podcasts every day that I'm broadcasting on radio. They've been available on the Mighty 1090s website for all this time, and people are just getting this stuff now. Like, oh, I saw it on Twitter. Well, cool. All right, I'm, I'm glad. My college buddy of mine, Ricky Markowitz, we called him the little dude when I was in college, texted me from Philadelphia. Hey, I heard your Nance interview, and I was, uh, I was flattered. I was glad to hear that. So really want to get consistent with this podcast and release one every Tuesday and got big plans. You know, I, I don't know if you saw this or not, but I put it on Twitter, I put it on Facebook, I put it on Instagram as well. Um, this past Saturday night, I had the chance to work the LA Rams, Atlanta Falcons, NFL football game for Westwood One. I was going to work the sidelines. And um, I was up in the press box and we were getting ready to head down to the field. Kurt Warner, who's a Hall of Fame quarterback and like the most angelic human being of all time. They're doing a movie about his life right now. How does a guy go from you know, stocking the grocery shelves in a grocery store in Iowa to becoming the Super Bowl MVP and a Pro Football Hall of Famer. And, of course, they're making a movie about Kurt Warner's life. So, you know, here I am, and Kurt and I are going to walk down to the field because we're working together as colleagues. Of course, here's me, like, really? Like, I'm working with Kurt Warner. Like, I love this guy. I love his story. And here we are working together, and it's cool. And I don't let him know that I'm, like, that crazy about him. But everybody else seems to know it. So... We're, we're leaving the, the press box and we're walking down to the field, Kurt and I, and Chris Collinsworth, who's doing the football broadcast on TV, and Al Michaels, who's the legend. I mean, I love Al Michaels. And, and Al and Chris are getting into the elevator, so the four of us get into the elevator together. And I take my phone out as we're walking through the tunnel to get to the field. Now, you got to remember, the Coliseum is an old-school football stadium. It's not like a modern-day NFL stadium where the, the, the stadium is built up, and so everything's compact and tight and rectangular and, and steep. It's an old-school stadium, so it's round and it's wide, and, and everybody seems far away. But to get down to the field, there are no guts. There's no underbelly of the stadium. There's the stands, there's the stairs. And so you go through from the elevator, through a tunnel, down the stairs, onto the field. So I'm walking with Al Michaels, and I know I'm name dropping right now, but you got to see the video if you haven't seen it. I'm walking with Al Michaels, and I take out my camera because I think it's going to be a really cool shot when we hit the field and like you can see the explosion of the Coliseum in downtown LA and the Hollywood sign. It's cool. I'm walking with Al Michaels, and Al starts talking. He sees that I'm shooting video, and he's talking. So I turn the camera towards Al and Al keeps talking. So he's not saying, Hey, you know, turn it off or come on, dude, what's up? Or don't post this. He just keeps talking. And we were walking and talking. So I turned the camera away from him because I don't want to invade his privacy. And he keeps on talking. So I turn it back towards him and then boom, there's the, the Coliseum. Al tells this amazing story. Watch this video. And, and we looked it all up the way Al said, look it up. The date, the teams, the attendance at the Coliseum that day. Al Michaels said on that video, look it up. He was perfectly right on. Like he was talking to Wikipedia, Al Michaels. And so we get back to this week, you know, after an experience like that where L.A., you know, they really do, the Rams, I got to say, do a great job of spicing up the Coliseum and trying to really own L.A. When you look at the L.A. Memorial Coliseum sign and you see the fireworks, it's like being in Disneyland. And there's the skyline of downtown L.A. And here's this legendary stadium. And there's Snoop Dogg at halftime or Tone Loke. And I can't get the song Wild Thing out of my head because Tone Loke is dancing with the with the Rams cheerleaders. They do. They, they have Hollywood-ized the NFL. 
as best they can in that stadium. I thought the Rams did a phenomenal job. And so then you come back to to reality, which is leaving L.A. and leaving that whole world and coming back to San Diego. And, and today, we, we, we launch these podcasts on Tuesdays. Today is my friend Dick Emberg's 83rd birthday. Now, we talked last week about Dick Emberg and the Jim Nance interview, and and uh, I've heard from so many people. Dick Emberg's wife, Barbara, texted me and said how much she appreciated that. Of course, I was too afraid to contact her. Um, I should have, but she contacted me and and just appreciated that interview last week. And I thought, as we, we are starting to book out guests, and we're, I'd love to hear from you. Who do you want to hear from on these kinds of interviews? You know, Kevin Harlan, who I was working with as well this past weekend, I want to talk to him about what it is to be as successful as a guy like that is in his industry who travels all the time, basketball to football to college basketball to NFL football. And so I want these these interviews to be in that vein more than just about a sports event or, or you know, a TV broadcast. So for this week, um, because of the Dick Emberg birthday and, and Dick turning 83 years old, and I was with a close friend of Dick's today having lunch, and we were celebrating Dick's life, and he was telling me about, you know, the last weeks of, of Dick's life and, and how he was found in his home. And, and, and so, you know, I said, Let, let's today, for today's podcast, for this week's podcast, let's, let's keep the voice alive. Let's go back to Halloween of, of 2017. This was the last time Dick Emberg was on the Scott and BR radio show. And we were talking about things like Dick had an Achilles tendon issue, so he was kind of hobbling around. Um, and, and we were also talking about Dick's podcast. Dick was cool. He's 82. He's tweeting about his podcast. He, he didn't even know how to find his podcast. And so this was the last time Dick Emberg was on the radio show. And I want to play it today because... Dick was the number one voice um, and the number one uh, on the top of my list of people that I wanted to interview for this podcast. And so Jim last week talked about Dick, and today I want to keep that voice alive. Here's the last time Dick Emberg was on the Scott and BR radio show from last year, from Halloween. The next day, we were going to do the Breeders' Cup uh, celebration about Dick's career, and we did, and it was phenomenal. And so here's the last time we interviewed Dick Emberg. It's interesting because this is the only the second time they've ever given this award out. Wow. Yeah. And I said to the guys, I'm like, what's the deal? Like, why don't they give it out every year in a different place? And they're like, no, this is a very special, special deal. Yeah, the only person who's ever received this award from the Breeders' Cup is Gary Player, the the golfer. Golfer, yeah. South African golfer. So it's called the Breeders' Cup Sports Racing Excellence Award, honoring Hall of Fame broadcaster Dick Emberg. And this all happens tomorrow night at the Grand Del Mar. And uh, this is going to be a great night that's going to raise a ton of money for the Boys and Girls Clubs of San Diego. So while you have the Breeders' Cup in town, and while you have a living legend like Dick Emberg in town who can use his celebrity and his notoriety to uh, help bring attention to a charity that desperately needs it. And then, by the way, you say to yourself, well, what's what's Dick's connection to the Breeders' Cup? And for more on that... (laughs) Let's bring in the Hall of Famer, Dick Ember, Let's back see. on Scott I'm in, I, I'm in, Yeah, I'm in the starting gate waiting for the bell to ring. <laughs> trouble, trouble, trouble is uh, I managed to uh, come up with a nice bone spur. At least it didn't rupture the Achilles, but it's pressing hard on it. So I'm, I'll be limping up there. So get all your crippled jokes uh, ready for tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 
I'm, uh, so far, uh, I do have a trainer here in the block in La Jolla, and he's going to give me some Lasix. So, we'll see. <laughs> so, so, so far, it's worked pretty well. I, uh, the pain's still there, but I just did four furlongs at 48 flat. Oh, not bad. <laughs> Dick, yeah, Dick, we, nice. we need you to run in the classic, Dick. Right. Come on, man. <laughs> what, what happened? How'd you, how'd you hurt your Achilles or this oh, bone spur? It's old, old age, I guess. You know, just, just things were afraid and that... Uh, uh, I thought I thought maybe it was more serious because I was worried about a rupture. It was just excruciatingly painful. And we it kept getting worse and worse and worse. And then finally, I went into the doctor and they they showed me the X-ray. There's a piece of bone off the Achilles, and it's rubbing on the Achilles, right on the heel. And so uh, I might be moaning and groaning, but uh, you'll keep it up. You'll keep it light. <laughs> well, we're gonna have fun tomorrow night, Dick. It's gonna be a really yeah, great I'm event. Looking forward to it. For, for people looking that are for, for folks that are tuning in, though, that say I'm not really so sure I understand Dick's connection to the Breeders' Cup. Um, you you were the broadcaster, the host for the first, as I recall, eight Breeders' Cup telecasts. Is that right? Right. Yeah, that's right. The very first one was in 1984 at Hollywood Park, and uh, NBC signed on for it. And they said, okay, we're going to have seven races, and we'll be on the air for four hours. And all the people there in Mahogany Row said, four hours? How long's the average race? Well, yeah, probably total the seven races will take about 13 minutes. <laughs> what are we going to do to fill all that time? So all the creative people were out doing interviews and special features and all those lovely pictures of the horses and the thoroughbreds uh, galloping, gambling and galloping and the uh, the beautiful pastures in Lexington and elsewhere. And, uh, and, and then we found out that actually you don't need a lot of time. You have the race, you have to introduce the horses, then you go to a commercial, then the horses are back out, you show the odds, they race, then you uh, interview the, maybe the uh, horse that uh, finished second, the jockey, and uh, then you go to another commercial, come back and interview the winner, and then you have the trophy presentation, and now you go with the paddock, and the next race, the other loading them up for the next race to bring out onto the track. So we really didn't need uh, as much time as we thought. But part of the uh, attraction, we thought, since this was a new concept, and we're in Hollywood, and Marge Everett, who owned Hollywood Park and was big in the Hollywood scene, we've got to get some star value into the show and make people think this is really something. And so they, as the host, they they made a makeshift little box uh, off the facing of the second deck. It was... uh, smaller than the studio where you're sitting right now and uh and so when they brought in a star i had to do the interview and we're literally knee to knee oh my and fred, fred astaire came in and um john forsyth who is a regular at the races and mickey rooney and then they bring in elizabeth taylor mm. and she is standing she's nervous and shaking and and i'm looking into those and they are violet eyes and uh, shaking and, and my instinct was to kind of give her a hug and say it was okay but uh, I figured that wasn't wise. And uh, so, uh, but here I am with this incredibly beautiful movie star, Elizabeth Taylor. Uh, and I'm thinking, what in the world is this uh, apple picker from Michigan doing in this scene? <laughs> <laughs> Dick Emberg will be honored tomorrow night for the Breeders' Cup Excellence Award. And uh, Dick, this is going to be a great night. And I, I know we're going to have a lot of fun. What's amazing to me, though, is, um, you know, you you sort of, retired if you will from padres broadcast graduated oh graduated graduated. right right Um, this is not retirement it's graduation busiest retirement anybody's ever seen you got so much going on i I see your tweets about your new podcast which i think is amazing how's that going oh it's going terrifically well we've done 
Uh, five of them already. The first was Billie Jean King. The second was uh, Vin Scully. Uh, the third was Gary Stevens, the great jockey. Um, and I did one with Richard uh, Federer, the professor of word. He does a, a word column every Saturday in the UT. He's just a fascinating guy on the derivation of words. For example, you know why they call the cheap seats the bleachers? Why is that? Because because they're out away from the grandstand and in the sun, so the wood bleaches out, and therefore those are the bleacher seats. There you go. And, you and he explained things like southpaw and bullpen and all the rest. He's just a really, a really interesting. And today, uh, Steve Kerr was my guest, and what a terrific guy, Steve Kerr. He's he's like all the best of everything. Well, and, how are you uh, doing this, Dick? How are you? Are do you have like a little podcast studio and equipment in your home, or do you have a producer no, that comes and records stuff for you? How's it work? No, I, it, they said I could do it at home, but it, it, being a technical uh, imbecile, I <laughs> I felt that that wasn't going to work. And I go to Bill Cork. I've been doing a lot of work with Bill Corkery Studios here in town. He's fantastic. He does network level uh, quality and uh, so i slip in there they they want me to go nearly an hour the subtitle is if you're looking up on podcast one capital o-n-e all one word podcast one and and look for dick enberg podcast i said well that's not very original <laughs> but the sub the subtitle is uh, sound playing off of my career sound of success i do a like i did at the olympics and at wimbledon i do an echo at the end a little personal item that ties in with my guest and i do a piece in the middle called sound advice and uh it's uh it's really been it's a new area i, I couldn't even tell you what a podcast was two months ago do, do, and, a, a serious uh, question and i hate to dig so deep especially on the radio but uh, do you get paid money to do that not yet but um they promised me that if they get advertisers and it takes a while for them they they can measure how many people uh, log in or whatever you do, tune in to the podcast, mm -hmm. and then they can say, well, we have this many uh, people that are, are, are listening, or view, not viewing, but listening. listening. Yeah. Uh, and they go out and sell it, and if they sell it, then then they'll get a check. How about that? Dick Emberg is tweeting mm -hmm. about his podcast. So let me just say this. For, for, for anybody... For anybody that's, so, that's so dirty. I don't know. <laughs> <Tweeter. laughs> no, seriously, like, I have some people, like, like Linda Welby, who's not here today, she says, She's not in the studio. She says, I don't want to tweet. I would rather Facebook. I'm trying to explain to her how important Twitter is. And she, I don't want to learn Twitter. I'm like, you sound like an old grandmother who doesn't want to learn a new piece of technology. Here's Dick Emberg tweeting about his podcast. Dick, that is so millennial of you. <laughs> I'll share one really nice sense. It's baseball and the World Series coming up and all. The, uh, in the Scully interview, and uh, he talked about Jackie Robinson. Um, there was a play at the plate or a play on the basis where Jackie thought he was safe and, and everyone knew he was out, including his teammates. And so now he's in the locker room and Robinson being as competitive as he was is slamming things into his locker and yelling and slamming and doing all that sort of thing. Uh, and uh, there was a uh, another African-American player on the roster at the time, uh, Dan Bankhead. He was a right-handed pitcher. And Bankhead, according to Scully, didn't say much. But when he did, everyone listened. And he uh, waited for a quiet moment. And from across the uh, the clubhouse, Bankhead said, Robinson, you're wrong. <laughs> and, and then he paused. He said, and you're loud wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Scully did, turned that around and said, so that was a lesson for me. I've been wrong in my broadcast. 
but I don't want to be loud wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the great so Dick Emberg. I'm, lear- I love I'm it. learning all kinds of great stuff. I love it. It's so fun. So, so Dick, not only do you have a podcast going now, not only right. um, you know, do you have your, your one-man show, The Play, that is, is continuing to succeed around the country, as I recall. Right. Uh, also a book about Ted Williams? Right. Being Ted Williams, I wanted to be Ted Williams. Uh, my co-author, Tom Clavin, he's filled in all the gaps. And I tell the story about uh, a kid when he's four years old getting Superman bubblegum at my grandfather's little grocery store, if I could answer a little simple trivia. And when I when the you had the family reunions and aunts and uncles would say, uh, Dickie, what are you going to be when you grow up? And I said, I'm going to be a baseball player. And it's in my DNA. And then at age 11, just after World War II, I'm listening on the radio, 1946 All-Star Game. And Ted Williams off the blooper pitcher, Rip Sewell, hits his second home run along with a couple of singles. And that day I said, I want to be Ted Williams. I tried to hit left-handed, and I, my JV talent didn't quite match up with the <laughs> But uh, in, in doing the research beyond just my personal relationship for an idol who at the uh, end of his career would come to San Diego and say, uh, Enberg, you're, you're the best. And I, I probably said that to everyone, but I certainly accept that as a great compliment from the greatest hitter in, in my lifetime and maybe the greatest left-hander ever. That's right. Um, and, and, uh, and doing the research for the book to get more, I'm just finding out, Scott and VR, the things that are, I, I have greater admir- admiration and I love Ted Williams more than I did all the rest of my life when he was my idol. He did more as a white superstar for the African-American athlete than anyone else in baseball. And no one's ever written about that. What he did for the charities, the Jimmy Fund and others in the Boston, New England area, he demanded no photographers, no writers would be in there. He didn't want anyone to think he was sweet and soft, which he had that side because of the, the venomous Boston writers who were on his back every day. And, and, and so I'm pleased that I'm able to relate some of the things beyond just this was my idol, that this was a great man, a great hero, a military hero, a baseball hero, uh, an artist, a scientist. Don't get me started. <laughs> wow. Well, Dick, what did he do? What, what did Ted Williams do that none of us maybe know or have ever read about? That What, what, what did he do for the African-American player at that time? Well, Boston was the last to integrate the Red Sox, uh, and even then they didn't bring up a great uh, Negro player from the Negro Leagues. The Pumsey Green was a utility infielder. And even then, not like today, before the games, uh, the players would warm up in front of the dugout. Uh, fans listening will remember that. And who would warm up with Pumsey Green, the first black player of the Red Sox? Ted Williams Ted did. Williams, yeah. when, he gave, when he gave his induction speech at Cooperstown in 1966, he obviously was the first ballot. It had the six-minute speech. At the end of the speech, after saying all the obvious things, it's great to be a part of, of Cooperstown and with the greatest players in the history of the game of baseball, he said, but you know, this museum will never be complete until the great baseball players from the Negro Leagues are included. Think about that. Here's a white superstar on the pulpit of Cooperstown campaigning for the Satchel Pages uh, and uh, the Negro players that were so outstanding. And three, four years later, it all happened. Uh, and I could go on and on. And it was a part of him that no one ever publicized. But Ted was a man of great fairness uh, to the children who were ill, the Jimmy Fund. You know, the Jimmy Fund today, uh, which started with Ted Williams, he's, he was one of the founders, and his name is still lives on with the Jimmy Fund. Uh, I, I talked with the executives there annually. This is stunning to me. They still raise for that charity 
$80 million a year. Wow. How about that? Wow, that's incredible. Mm. We're talking to Dick Emberg on Scott and BR on the Mighty 1090. Dick Emberg going to be honored tomorrow night as part of the Breeders' Cup Week of Festivities with the Breeders' Cup Excellence Award. So, Dick, um, I would love to hear what you think. Uh, you, you mentioned talking to Vin Scully. You, you mentioned some history of baseball. You're watching this World Series, and people are saying it's the greatest World Series ever or this was the greatest World Series game ever. I'm not sure I have the historical perspective to, to really make such a statement, but what do you think about this, this World Series so far this year and how it compares all time? Well, it's one of the greatest. It's, uh, I don't think it's the greatest, but it certainly is in the conversation. I mean, it's people love runs scored. Hey, it, you know, the real aficionados will, will salute a two-to-one tightly pitched game. Uh, those are delicious, too. But the average fan likes to see runs scored. They like to stand up and yell and cheer. And certainly uh, this series so far, five games, has given them plenty of that. And now just the fact that someone's saying, well, maybe the balls are different and all of that adds uh, intrigue to uh, – Game six coming up tonight. I, th- I think it's been uh, more <laughs> one of the best ever. I, I wouldn't say it is uh, the best, but uh, it's going to be looked upon in future years as uh, you're going to compare the the explosion of, of power and run scoring to to other series, and it's uh, almost nonpareil. It is. I'm, I'm anxious to see what's going to happen tonight. So I think I. Uh, the Dodgers have the whole have the home field, but I think the uh, Astros have the better pitcher in Justin Verlander. He's a horse. I uh, I think it's it's certainly been certainly been probably the most exciting World Series I can remember, and for a, a sport and a game that everybody talks about needs to get younger. I think young people are loving all the home runs, all the runs scored, all the drama. It's been an amazing World Series so far. So, Dick, tomorrow night, are, are you gonna are you gonna walk on stage? Are you gonna wheel on stage? Are they come well, on? I mean, know, you're a I, man's man, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'd like a little sympathy though. I mean. Uh, I, I've got a boot. I'll be. I'll. I'll and I'm going to try to get rid of the cane I'm using for balance. And no, I'm going to be there. And uh, um, I know that it, you know they say they're honoring Dick Enberg. I got. I got the other uh, information that I'm just going to be a target uh, for, for all the people. And I hope that's true because I hope people try to roast me because I'm pretty good with that. Uh, uh, that uh, skewer myself. So uh, <laughs> go, go after me, big fella. I'm, I'm ready. I got some material. <laughs> and is Barbara coming tomorrow night? I mean, is this going to be like no, the walking wounded with you two? Uh, well, you probably heard the baby in the background. We've got our, our daughter here from uh, from uh, Africa, from uh, with, uh, who came home to have a baby, a baby a grandson who's now seven weeks old. Hey, and congratulations. I have a three-year-old. So, yeah, well, it's been been mayhem but it's been really happy mayhem here in, in la jolla and so she's and on top of that our oldest daughter in boston she's going to have a baby and also a son and her first son in a month so barbara's going back tomorrow and so she will not be attending but uh, i understand bo derrick's there going to be there maybe she'll sit at uh, my table bo derrick was talking about you yesterday on the radio and she's Come on. i swear to you she i said how do you know dick and she kind of started telling this story about getting to know bo schembechler and somehow uh-huh. a Michigan connection between you and Bo somehow brought you and Bo Derek together? I don't remember that, but I'll buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I think she was making it up. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> hey, Dick, it is I great. Wonder, is, did, did you hear whether she's going to wear a white swimming suit tomorrow night? Or <laughs> I, I asked her if she would, please. What and I else? asked her if okay. she could be soaking wet, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> As you would say, hubba hubba. 
Hubba, hubba, oh my. <laughs> hey, Dick, we'll see you tomorrow night. Can't wait to see you, and it's going to be a terrific night. Thank you. All right, Scott, I know you're going to be great as the MC. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Like I said, I wanted to keep that voice alive, and um, today's the day we launched this podcast. Today is, is Dick's birthday, 83 years old. So today is January 9th, 2018. Dick would have been 83 years old, and that was the last time we talked to him. So again, here's what I want you to do. Follow on Twitter, at Scott Kaplan. Follow on Instagram, at Scott Kaplan. Friend me on Facebook. I don't get it. Apparently, I've got too many, and I'm flattered, of course, but there's some kind of professional page versus a personal page. If you know anything about that, hit me up on email. Um, That's cool, too. And um, so listen... If you have ideas of who you want to hear interviewed, whether it's, you know, top-notch broadcasters like a Jim Nance or an Al Michaels or a Kevin Harlan, or it's athletes like a, a Drew Brees type as he's, you know, possibly headed towards another Super Bowl, or if it's business types, just hit me up on Twitter at Scott Kaplan and uh, give me some feedback on that, and we will talk to you next week on the Scott Kaplan Solo Podcast.